Hey guys, we just want you to know that we're always on the lookout for uh, really cool guests. Anybody who has a wild story, who's willing to tell it, and who happens to be in Israel. So if you guys have any ideas, feel free to shoot them our way. You can uh, comment or post on our Facebook page or send us a private message on Facebook. We'd be happy to hear. Thanks. I'm Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Naor Menninger. And you're listening to Two Nice Jewish Boys. Americans love reading, and often more than just 140 characters. While here in Israel, the number of book readers is at a constant decline, the U.S. book industry is flourishing, not without the help, of course, of Amazon and others who ushered the book into the digital age. The e-book revolution brought a true disruption to the field of novel writing. Now, when you no longer need a publisher to get your book out, there are many aspiring authors who try their luck by digitally publishing their own work, and some even succeed and make money. In recent years, Israel has become a major player in exporting content in fields like TV shows, reality formats, and even documentary films. But you don't often hear about the modern Israeli novelist. That is, before Mike Omel. Mike was your regular Israeli, a bright young man pursuing a promising career in high-tech. But one day he decided to quit his job and make an old dream come true. He decided he'd be a novelist. Not long after that, in his most recent book, A Killer's Mind, reached number one on Amazon's bestseller list and stayed there for 10 days. How did he do it? We're very happy to have the man himself, Mike Omel, here with us to tell his story. This podcast is made in collaboration with The Jewish Journal. Let's start with how, I guess, how early, how far back does this dream go? Did you, like, want to be a novelist since you were a kid? <laughs> so, in Israel, you don't actually dream to be a novelist unless you're, like, delusional because... <laughs> it's not very uh, lucrative. In, uh, it's, it's not, you can't live from, like, it's, it, peop, you, hear, you hear people tell you from, like, a really small age, you can't live from writing uh, writers here um, generally do other things to supplement their income um, or they translate their books to other languages and the number of actual um, Israeli writers who just live from their books is quite small. It's not infinitesimal, but it's like tiny. So if you're practical, you don't really uh, dream to be a novelist. Yeah. You find something else. <laughs> also a filmmaker or a musician, by the way. Yeah. It's the same for all same, the arts. Exactly. And in Israel, I think, well, there's always this problem of a limited, like a limited crowd. The crowd is really small. So you you know it from the get-go. Once you, once you get the the math right and you figure out oh yeah that's that just can't be done so yeah but uh, it seems like like as the uh amount of people who make their living off of something goes smaller it's like the more people want to do it it's like because if you go to like the humanities in any university here you'll find it far outweighs the actual amount of jobs there are out there <laughs> yeah definitely like it's nice to dream yeah so you weren't dreaming of being a writer as a young kid? No, I, I I was dreaming about publishing a book. This was something I wanted to do for uh, for a long time when I was a kid, and then I did it. Um, I published a book when I was sixteen. 
Oh, really? Um, yeah. Uh, just like uh, it, it started like I wrote my first book when I was 15. Um, when I was 16, I was lucky enough to score like a publisher deal. Um, what, uh, uh, how many pages? It was like know, 150. I, yeah, it was 150 pages. That's amazing. Cause I recall being in high school, like barely getting through 100, reading 150 <laughs> pages when I got assigned it. And you were to. there writing it. That's amazing. I, I, uh, I really loved writing uh from like a small like from when from when i was really small so yeah i i did publish a book when i was 16 i had the moment of fantasy that it'll be a great bit like a bestseller and sell uh thousands and thousands of copies and maybe get translated but um uh that didn't happen <laughs> <laughs> so your love of books basically led you to write your first book um yeah yeah i've been i i've been reading since i was five and i've i've always always read a lot um and that led me um eventually i started with little comics mm -hmm. um in retrospect, mostly plagiarizing other things I read, um, uh, like an early form of uh, fan fiction or whatever, just these tiny comic uh, notebooks that I had, I couldn't draw at all. Um, so you, uh, for, I gotta have to ask, wh where is the English from? Oh, um, I was... When I was uh, in second grade, uh, my family went to the United States for a year. Uh, we lived in Boston. Um, uh, okay. And then when we came back, like my parents did an effort to um, maintain my English. Uh, like they took me to this private course or whatever for two years. Uh, and then they figured out that's not the way. And they just started buying me comic books and uh, uh, books okay. in English. And that yeah. worked much better. So and, yeah, wait, but, but you're, you're, whose is it? That's mine. I'm sorry. Okay, no problem. No worries. So your first book, um, what was it about? Um, my first book, um, was like this satirical fantasy um mostly like a uh, like i have to admit i was heavily influenced by douglas adams and terry pratchett so that's what i wrote like this uh satirical fantasy uh, a lot of breaking of the fourth wall and taking uh, place here no taking place in like this imaginary land okay um and that that's all light um by opus and then uh like it sold pretty poorly um the first publication was 1000 copies and it never sold the entire like uh amount so you'll have a box of it in your attic no i actually <laughs> gave them all all what i had away a, a few years ago in a convention but but i i do get people like telling me yeah you're michael omer that that was my pen name there then it, it's just my name sorry that's also me that's okay oh, okay um so I still get people occasionally telling me, yeah, I love that book. Um, it had like a small following of people who said it was um, awesome among fantasy readers. And That's looking cool. back now, do you 
like looking back now objectively as you know with with the success that you have do you think it was good or do you think it was just like i'm really i'm really uh worried about my uh my like 16 year old michael omer's fans but i personally hate that book <laughs> i i think it's terrible is that the way you feel though about all your writing no 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 I, re- no. I really like my books. Um, okay. wh- when I read that book, I'm really embarrassed. First of all, I can point out places which I pretty much um, pretty much ripped off other writers. And, <laughs> and it was really amateurishly done. But then again, I was 16. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> now yeah. when you rip off, you make sure nobody notices. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now I know to cover my trail. Um <laughs> So was that book in English? No, it was in Hebrew. Ah, okay. Um, I never thought I could actually write in English until a few years ago. Uh, I didn't think my English was good enough. So I wrote in Hebrew for a lot of years. How many books did you write in Hebrew? A bunch. Most of them were like... I published three in Hebrew and a bunch more that never saw the light of day. Um the last one was published uh, six years ago. Um, it's it's actually translated now to English. I translated it. Um, it's called Sleepless. So, it's worth mentioning that uh, it's fair to say that you were never really famous as a Hebrew writer in Israel, right? No, I was a total failure. <laughs> <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> like every time every time my book was published it was like a, a publishing catastrophe <laughs> the publisher said never again <laughs> and then you crawled back up with another book yeah <laughs> so wait um okay so you, you were writing from a young age but then at some point you were like okay i'm not going to be making money off of this it sounds like you kept writing all along but you went well, in a different direction. First of all, if to, to be fair, I stopped for a few years. Um, I got tired of uh, rejections and, yeah. and uh, I was focusing on other stuff. And, and I stopped writing for like five years, I think. I didn't write at all. And then I, I wrote. Um, and then um, what happened was I was actually starting a startup company doing uh gaming like a, an online game um and uh and during that phase i stopped working and i had so so i was home like working on my startup and again it was it was like a total failure <laughs> we did, we actually made a really cool game but but um it wasn't it, a business success yeah it wasn't a business success exactly um but so after high school after you wrote this book at 16 i'm uh, i'm guessing you you have some background in what software engineering yeah, or yeah so, so what did you you went to study yeah i went to study uh software engineering after the army when i when we when we came back from our uh, mandatory uh, post army trip um yeah. we i studied software engineering then i worked a bit as a software engineer like a few years um and my wife said well yeah i can see your soul dying inside so i started doing this um 
alternate projects side projects side projects trying to to find something else that would make me happy so first there was this satirical newspaper i wrote like for half a year i had that going on then it never took off so i stopped doing it and i did this startup company that did an online game um and when that failed i was at home basically like between jobs and i i was th like i had a bit of money because um uh i had it saved up and server and spray and so on so so i figured um i might as well like take this as a vacation to do another side project um and then i figured i can try writing um so i know i can't ever live as an author in israel but maybe i can uh live like sell my book in the united states so i'll write a book in hebrew and i'll translate it to he english and then maybe i can get an agent or this something. is when this is like um this was back at mm, it was long ago it was like 2009 okay so almost 10 years ago yeah <clears throat> and um and i wrote this book um sleepless uh and and sent it to publishers in israel i said okay i don't i don't really care about uh, publishing it in israel i already know that's like a doomed endeavor but uh but it can be a nice stepping stone if, if it will be published in israel i could tell agents in the united states listen this book is already published in israel and hopefully it's even a big success or whatever and they'll <laughs> be happy to get the translation rights um how so, did the plan work out well <laughs> <laughs> it did get published um the uh it was published in by kineret and kettle mm -hmm. uh, they published it together it was actually pretty exciting they were like they both wanted the book and they decided to cooperate over publishing it and and it sounded like it's going to really work out uh, and then um and then it uh published a few months after the israeli book law i don't know how What's it okay. in English? Yeah, there was this book uh, law legislated a few years ago that basically it's it's an it's like an against the free market law that basically says you cannot sell books for cheap. Yeah, new books. Exactly, you can't new sell books. new books for cheap. You can only send them sell them for high prices to quote unquote protect the the writers oh my god yeah yeah they canceled it just a year ago yeah and and by the way if they protected the entire literature like if you couldn't <laughs> sell books at all for cheap i don't know what would have happened maybe it would have been good i i actually don't know um but the fact that uh you just couldn't sell new books for cheap just meant one thing people didn't buy new books they right. bought books that were at least two years old which was like the the mandatory time from the from when the for the law so yeah. they would cost like five dollars and your book would be half 
Do they you put have literally the- a price on it? They said what? Like it can't be under fifty shekels or sixty shekels? Oh, more like one hundred. No, it was like um oh you can't God. discount it for more than ten percent. Right. And there's like this mandatory minimum price so uh <laughs> perfect example and Never and mind. and it was <laughs> Never mind. i'm not gonna go down that road and that worked lovely with the fact that a book in israel that doesn't sell like considerable amount of copies in the first two weeks they just remove it from the shelves so so what we had was um great protection yeah and then <laughs> there was a war <laughs> so there was uh, like the gaza a- war yeah um one of them yeah one of them um so there was a war there was the book so because of the war almost no one bought books it was like a known fact that people didn't buy books um and then when they did come to buy books mine would be considerably um high priced (laughs) so um yeah it was a failure (laughs) um I I did get a lot of like really lovely letters from teenagers who read it. Um, they said it was great. They really loved it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But commercially, it was a, a disaster. The book actually says um, to be continued in the end. It was something the publisher added because they wanted people to know like the, it's a series, and then they just wouldn't published oh, no. the sequel <laughs> so it says to be continued and it isn't continued <laughs> oh, that's wow. nice actually in a way it's poetic yeah. <laughs> um, um, okay so you so you publish you publish sleepless in hebrew, in hebrew. but you in don't hebrew. find uh, someone to translate it yeah so so no so i was starting to i didn't even send it out yet i was like reading like making a lists of agents um, I was pretty discouraged by the, like, it, it was a failure, but it was a failure of epic proportions. So I was feeling a bit down about it. Um, and I was busy uh, trying to translate it myself. Um, and then I gave it to, a, a, like, a coworker at work. And he said, listen, this isn't, your English isn't good enough. So I started looking for a translator and it was really expensive. And... And I really started feeling like this wouldn't um, work out. This being the whole writing thing? The whole... Or um, the speech, the, the sleepless whole, thing? The uh, whole sleepless being translated to English and sent... It's, ex- it's very expensive to translate <clears throat> yeah, it's to English. Yeah, it's incredibly expensive. Um, so, so, and then, and then I... Um, I was bored at work one day and I, I began looking for writing blogs and I stumbled across a blog um, by someone called Conrath, um, who, who is like this huge indie celeb, but outside of the indie community, not a lot of people know him. He, he was basically one of the first authors to make it big in the indie publishing world. Uh-huh. So what he did was he was like, he was, um, uh, he had like written uh, 20 or 30 years as a traditional author. He had all these thrillers and, and they all did reasonably well, but he was um, earning badly because reasonably well in the traditional um, book industry is not a high 
pro, like a high salary, salary. Yeah. and and the publishers told him listen this isn't isn't going anywhere we're not interested anymore and then what he did was he uh went to his publisher he bought the rights for all his books from them because they stopped printing them and he just started uh, um uploading them to amazon and he instantly he he like i think it took him uh two or three years to be a major success he was making a lot of money and and he was writing this blog while doing this um so he was documenting the entire process starting out with like this sucks i'll have to buy my rights and then okay i published my first book it barely sold anything and then suddenly he started selling copies and and um he ended up earning a lot of money on each book and, and he documents kind of how much money he's making yeah he's like so that's amazing what's lovely in in general in the indie community is um how open people are about their sales they want the information out there um so he was really like he became a missionary for authors he started telling everyone okay you have to try this you have to you have to try to publish independently and he has this really exciting blog that he wrote and i stumbled across it um and it was like this epiphany because i've been living my life like up to the age of 30 assuming that you can't really live as a writer like the 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 odds are far-fetched it's impossible um and there was this guy telling me no y you can do it it's actually pretty straightforward you just write a lot of books you self-publish them good eventually books. yeah good books you assuming you write good books you you self-publish them uh hopefully somewhere down the road one of them catches on, then another, and then you start making money, and then you start making more money. It's like, uh, it's it's something you can do. It's it's in your control. It's something you can um, fully do yourself. It's it's really really practical. He was he's very convincing, and in his blog later he like interviews other authors who managed to do the same. So you you kind of see more and more people going the same route and succeeding um i think the most famous example in the in the recent years is um there's ready player one right if that one was self. ready player one i'm not sure it no. was ever but the self one was the martian the martian yeah, yeah the martian which then became the matt damon <laughs> movie that was i think the the biggest story of yeah, recent the, years the martian right? was amazing he it sold was an it independently published book yeah yeah by a guy who never wrote before yes <clears throat> the martian is a cool story he actually wrote his story on his blog like for fun um so he would add this chapter every few days i don't know um and he started getting fans uh, on his blog and then he just uh once it was done he took the entire thing that's the basic story as i know it and he uploaded to amazon for one dollar for nothing yeah, yeah it was it was like something he did for fun or whatever and then all of his fans bought it um it shot up like really high on amazon and people started buying it by the bulk and instantly one of the traditional publisher told, told them listen um we want to buy the rice <laughs> for this um 
And then uh, he sold them the rights. That's they removed, him, removed it from Amazon, published it like a few months or a year later, and it became this instant amazing success. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. he's like uh, every indie, and indie writer's uh, like hero. Uh, well... Well, it changed. Like people, yeah, people like him as a story, but a lot of indies are really anti-trad. So, so they're like, yeah, but it, so they don't want they they don't like the traditional publishing at all. So when someone uh, eventually like out. sells out, <laughs> they're like, yeah, it's too bad he didn't retain the like the rights. But um, isn't the whole idea that like you can become successful? So if that's ultimate success, then go for it. Embraced yeah. by well, there are independents who who are super successful, like incredibly successful, and stay independent. And there's yeah, but this... they don't have Hollywood movies made of their books. Um, some of them do sell ah, their yeah. rights, yeah. So and then that's that's ah, so I see. You can sell your rights to Hollywood, but not to the publisher. Yeah, like yeah, that's exactly ah, because okay. that's a movie. It's this like and ah, okay, okay, yeah. I get it. I'm getting. I'm starting to understand. So they have, there's a very like anti-publishing house yeah, sentiment. There, there is because a lot of traditional, a lot of indie publishers um, are people who were frustrated. They either published some, something traditionally and, f and it failed like me or, or they tried and like for years and it was really frustrating. There are a lot of stories of frustration there. They're so, vengeful. Yeah, they're, they're like <laughs> out to get the traditional publishing world. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how, how did you become like what brought Mike you to Almer? Yeah, what brought you to to this book or to the the series? I guess previous to it was even successful. Yeah. So so what happened was um, up until now I gave excuses that were out of my control to why Sleepless didn't sell in Israel. Now I have to shamefully admit that Sleepless was a complete failure in Amazon, despite there being no book law and no war. <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't sell it either, um, uh, but I did get it published. I got it published. Um, I got an editor, and she said, "Yeah, it's it, your English is fine. I can fix it. Like your grammar errors, it'll be fine." And she did. Um, I published it. It was nicely reviewed again, and then it was like um, it sank like a stone on Amazon. And I wrote another sequel and a novella. And I started um, uh, meeting people in the indie world. Um, and then, so when I started indie publishing, I had a certain idea of how it would work. I would write whatever I want um, and whatever is in my, like, whatever story pops into my mind and at some point it'll like um, catch on. And, and I actually had no idea the genres was an actual thing. In Israel, there aren't a lot of g genre reading. Um, in, in Israel, or creating in any field. Yeah, it's, it's just um, there's literature in, in, in Israel. People write books, but they're like all over the spectrum. There's not something specific. There's a lot of literary um, fiction. Um, and there's not a lot of genre fiction in Israel. Mm -hmm. um, 
so so I wasn't aware that it was a thing really. I saw people talking what what genre your book is and and I always thought it was weird to classify it that way like it's so sad that you have to classify your creation on <laughs> one genre. I was pretty um I had uh, lofty ideas. <laughs> And then, uh, like, friends started telling me, but but people read genres. And I, I said, what does that mean? And they said, there's a huge crowd of people who read only mysteries or only romance. That's that's who we need to cater to. And It's, it's so, not a curse, it's a blessing. Yeah, and it sounded really weird to me until I saw a friend actually do this. And it like really took off uh she wrote these four books her name is don mckenna by the way she's an, an amazing writer um she wrote four mystery books uh after writing a lovely literature book that didn't uh go far on its own um she wrote four mystery books and they took off and she was like this huge thing um st started really really succeeding and I was like, what just happened? And, and yeah, she just wrote something that was that the market wanted. And I was like, hmm, market, that's an interesting idea that people have been telling me for over a year. Maybe I should start listening. Um, at the time, I was writing a science fiction story about a police um, squad solving murders in like, uh, like, 2040 or something like that you I, wrote that or she wrote i that? wrote okay. that i was writing that that <laughs> was the book i was and i was like okay what genre is this this isn't anything <laughs> it's not science fiction because it's a mystery book but it's not mystery it's like another melding of genres there's no one saying hmm, i want my next sci-fi police procedural book that's not a thing Maybe I'll try choosing one. There is, but there's like two people. Yeah, it's like, it's like um, Altered Carbon. The guy who wrote Altered Carbon, that's what he did. Right. Um, but other than him, like it's uh, Isaac Asimov, I don't know. Yeah, and Blade Runner. Yeah, exactly. But there are like so few in between. It's not mm -hmm. an actual genre. So um, I said, okay, let's pick like i saw mystery works well i like reading mystery why why don't i just write mystery this book actually works in the 20th century in the like the beginning of the 21st century just as well i just need to like remove the drones <laughs> <laughs> delete all, all the drones and we're good <laughs> control f drones delete <laughs> there we go yeah adapted so um so I sat down and I thought, okay, I can do this. I can write mystery. I took that book. I rewrote it from scratch, um, deleting all the drones and the futuristic weird stuff. Um, and then uh, and then I had suddenly like half a mystery book. And then I d decided that's what I'm doing. I'm writing three mystery books. I'm going to publish them together very similarly to what my friend did, she published four books together. I'll write three books, I'll publish them together and they'll be um, under a different pen name, Mike Omer, because uh, Sleepless was under, was like under my uh, actual name, Michael Omer. And then um, that's what I did. I wrote these three books and published them under Mike Omer, uh, the Glenmore Park series. And surpri surprisingly enough, they really did take off nicely. 
Um, By themselves or with the help of a professional whose job is to make them take off on Amazon? Yeah, so the professional was me. Uh, (laughs) So we're now two years into my um, adventure into self-publishing, and I was learning a lot as I went uh, from friends. One of the best thing I did ever when I became self-published was to latch on to people who were um, in a similar spot to mine. Uh, we created this small uh, Facebook group and and we constantly learned from each other's mistakes and successes uh, to the point where when I launched my book, I, was, I had like a notion of... Uh, of a plan to market my book and the plan was uh there are a lot of um a lot of suggestions about how to push your books online but most of them uh entail badgering people and uh and searching for blogs and it it never works um and i was like and i looked around and i said advertising works this is this is actually working i can see people saying i advertise this book it's really working out um so like facebook Google, facebook search engines yeah, exactly facebook adwords um um amazon just launched an amazon advertising platform when i released my books and and i saw that the people who consistently succeed were advertising so that's what I did. I prepared like this budget from your funds. From your, my funds, yeah. From uh, I was still working as a as a software engineer. Um, okay. I so I so I prepared this launch budget. I made it as big as I possibly could at the time. Could Do you, you mind if we? Yeah, yeah if we the, ask. The what? launch budget was like three thousand dollars. Ah, that's really low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's not uh, far fetched. And I just launched my book, my first book, Spider's Web, first book as my commerce, Spider's Web, with that, uh, with that money, and it took off. It it really so Amazon has a ranking system. It ranks each book, um, and the lower the number is, the better you are. It's like if you're number one, obviously you're the first book in all Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it translates to how many sales and borrows you get. So my books uh, launched to rank 700 or something. So it was the 700... Out of tens and tens of thousands. Out of books. millions. Millions, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So that, that translates into hundreds of sales. Uh, like a hundred something every day or something like that. Wow. Sales and borrows. And yeah. you're selling... I mean, you just because you said that... The indie community is open about this, so I feel f- comfortable asking. But can we get into like, like how much are you selling each book for? Um, books. So I have two ninety nine, three ninety nine, and and my most expensive book right now uh, it's Killer's Mind. I'm not setting the price, but it's five ninety nine. Yeah, but then so Spider's Web Spider's was two ninety nine. Spider's Web was I I kept changing it between 299 and 399 mm-hmm. uh, to see what works better i ended up setting it to 299 i saw it's worth more like it's getting enough it's sales to compensate for the shift in yeah. price and out of that what it what goes to you and what goes to amazon 70% goes to me so, goes to you That's so amazing. 2 dollars per book wow it's yeah. amazing yeah 
it's it's so so once that took off i could i suddenly had an income from books i could live off books how did that feel yeah it felt amazing (laughs) it felt really amazing you just like walk into your office go to straight to your boss's office and we're like i'm quitting it it was actually pretty close to that no 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 no, not yet (laughs) because because i've been telling my boss for a year he he was always worried that uh, like people would live for another uh com like another software company and i told him listen with me, you can be relaxed. I don't want to be a software engineer. If I'll ever leave, it's because I'm going to be a full-time author. So, and he was like, okay, that'll never happen. <laughs> and then and then when he Lo took off, behold. he was like, okay, so I'm really happy about it. Um, does that mean you're quitting? And I was, yep. <laughs> that's <laughs> basically what That's means. going to happen right now. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so that, so we, but you published these three books uh together you said as a trilogy kind of netflix style they they, uh, so spider's web and deadly web were a month apart and then web of fear came two months after uh deadly web so So where does killer's mind come to place and then after i published these three books and another novella of from glenmore park i had um i thought okay i can one of the struggles I had with Glenmore Park is um, Spider's Web has a serial killer, which is exciting. Um, but another serial killer in Glenmore Park, that's already far-fetched. Like, well, it's not serial killer city. It's, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's a city of a population of 100,000 people. It doesn't, it doesn't get to serial killers. And I, so I had to come up with these crimes, uh, alternate crimes, and it, it, it was difficult. It was really hard work and I had no idea how to make it as exciting. And I thought what would be great was if I just could do a serial killer every time. And there's so many cool ideas I can work with with uh, serial killers. Um, That's uh, disturbing <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> serial killers because the, the things I, the thing that uh, I think fascinates a lot of serial killers of a lot of people with serial killers is that each one is a bit different. They, they are um, people who have this fantasy and the fantasy is twisted. Um, so the fantasy can be anything. So that's why serial killers are so different from each other. The once you learn what makes them tick, they're also very similar. There are a lot of similarities, but you can do a lot of interesting thing um, thriller wise um like you can create a lot of tension with a serial killer because the reader knows that the next victim is coming always so you can create there's like a hundred different ways where you can create tension and and um suspense with a serial killer and I then, forgot my question. I had a question and then I forgot it. <laughs> let's just wrap the the story about the killer's mind because it ah. it, it right? so yeah. So a killer's mind is about this profiler who appears in Spider's Web, and so she's a profiler. She meets serial killers every all the time, and then I could create a series that revolves around serial killers and this time you wrote so yeah so i remember my question okay (laughs) so i mean uh how how much research goes into this because you're talking about serial killers and it sounds like you did quite a bit of reading yeah 
Um, so what, what is that process like? I mean, how much do you sit down, read, then go to write, and then go back and forth? And or is can, it just like a year of research? And, and to extend the question, you also need to research American culture. Yeah. So Only. these are these are two different things. Researching American culture is something I do every day because all my uh, literature, TV, uh, movies I consume, and my and a lot of my friends they all revolve around the United States. So I get like a lot of um, American culture uh, input, in, like, input yeah. in the veins as it is. Um, the serial killer research is a bit more difficult. I had to actually read a lot about serial killers. Once you read like 20 um, shortened autobiographies of serial killers, it's a bad day. <laughs> it's like you, you go to bed, you, you feel dirty. You feel like you've uh, bathed in the slime of uh, human uh, filth. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, I did a lot of research. Um, read some um, some books by profilers and uh, and you when you're doing this research you're taking notes or you're just reading reading consuming consuming and then you kind of let it all spew out i i i remember a lot from what i read so i usually don't need to take notes unless it's something like an idea i suddenly have for my book then i write it but if it's like data i usually remember the important bits or at least where i can find them so i and this time i saw in another interview that this time <clears throat> you decided you're going to write it in english oh i like spider's web was already written in english okay. um i start after i translated sleepless i said next time no way i'm writing straight in english and that's what i did and it worked out really well that's also a struggle i i mean when i read your book the jargon of the people um you know the terms fbi yeah. agents would use even if you watch tv shows it's still hard to come up with all these stuff yeah it's hard it's a lot of it's a lot of work um it's more technical i, I, I guess yeah for you the and there's a lot of um i do struggle a lot with uh grammatical issues that i guess a native american wouldn't think about but um, even the like political structure of of uh, the law enforcement agencies in the United States and the the different uh, agencies that exist and the different ways you need to get authorization for different stuff like that that requires research. Yeah, I I lucked out. Um, I had a friend who knew an ex chief of police in Bangor, Maine. So she hooked us together, and then I'd write this book and tell him, okay, listen, I have a list of questions. Just send him like 20 questions, and he, he replied like with the patience of a saint. And... Which donut would they eat in that situation? <laughs> <laughs> so you would write this. I'm taking this as like a lesson. <laughs> Less as a podcast yeah. episode. Uh, Ethan is an aspiring novelist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. So you would write just the book kind of off the top of your head with like your uh, your kind of imagination of what a, the FBI hierarchical structure is. Yeah. And then be like can you confirm this? Yeah, and he would say like, no, it doesn't work like that. You have to change that and that. And then I'd have to struggle like for weeks wow. changing, rewiring my book. Wow. But I think That's it incredible. worked out better that way because then I could like really um, fine tune everything. So you release A Killer's Mind and then what happens? So A Killer's Mind, it's, it's important to know that A Killer's Mind um, 
uh, wasn't independently released. I am one of those guys who sold out. <laughs> I wanted to Shame. publish. I wanted to publish a killer's mind like I did with Glenmore Park. So I thought I'd write three and release them together. So I wrote a killer's mind and I started writing the sequel. And as I was writing the sequel, I had an agent who was uh, selling my audio rights to Audible. And I said, can you like check with Thomas and Mercer and maybe they want to publish this? They can look me up, I'm like ranked um, 50 in all the police procedural uh, authors. So that's not bad. Like uh, people know me, they can see I'm, I'm worth checking out. And she was like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll check out, no problem. Um, so I sent her the, the manuscript, she, and then she told them, okay, listen, there's this guy. And then I told her, but just tell them that they, if, they don't pub, like, if they don't give me an answer in six weeks, I'm publishing it myself. <laughs> because I really didn't think they'll be interested and I needed to publish it to like pay the rent. Um, and then they said, okay, yeah, we want this. <laughs> Wow. So so I said, okay, fine. Then then and then I sold the rights to Thomas and Mercer, who are an Amazon imprint. They are like a publisher owned by Amazon. Okay. And they put Killer's Mind on Amazon and then how did it how well did it do? It reached number one. Wow. Um so number one, one in overall. It's, I, I know there's a lot of different numbers going around. It's quoted from different articles that were, but it hit number one and it stayed there for 10 days. Oh my God. Um, yeah, it That's was. That's incredible. So we need to correct that. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. That's it, amazing. It did really well. Which means, which translates to what? Like how many people bought the book so, today? Yeah, so... There's a, a a bit of a thing here. It was a part of Amazon First Reads um, promotion, which means they they give away free copies for Prime readers. So uh, they gave away hundreds of thousands of copies uh, for free. They review it and then it helps. Yeah, to... they review it and and these free downloads also help the ranking. But it all But it you would, don't get anything from that? I got like uh oh I, I'm actually not allowed to say what I got. Ah, okay. 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 Um, but a sum. But they yeah. don't it's not like you sign up beforehand and say that these free copies are free. Like you they do they do like you do see some benefit from the fact that Yeah, even, like even if if there was no if even if there's no benefit, um, this rank and and yeah, it's fact, totally worth it. Like it's totally worth it. Um, so it hit number one, and then I started selling uh, a bit more than a thousand copies a day. Wow! Each day of Killer's Mind. Um, Can you tell this time the percentages of what go? What do you get? What they get? Or is it? Also yeah, I think that's. Forbidden? I think that's actually. I'm pretty sure that's a well-known fact. Uh, you don't okay. need to. It's fine. I, no I, I, I prefer not it. to tell, but... but Obviously less than 70%. Less than 70%, but Amazon are really awesome mm -hmm. in, in the sense that they still um, uh, let give you like a bigger percentage than any other publisher. Um, nice. So... So t a thousand copies a day. I mean, how long has it been out? It's been out um, a couple of months. Wow. So it's it's sold already almost 70,000 copies. 
Um, and that's not including the uh, prime readers who that's not got including it for free. the people who got it for free, and also um, Glenmore, like my readers, people who read it and really liked it, um, searched for my Comer books, and it also uh, the book shows that I wrote all these other books, and then they checked out. So suddenly, Spider's Web shot up um, to like rank two hundred and uh the sequels Amazing. as well so they are all so i'm selling 200 books a day from glenmore park and all these other and killer's mind is selling so yeah are you are you, do you don't you get addicted to checking out the daily numbers oh yeah <laughs> um <laughs> i limit stock. my i little limit myself to one check a day okay because it's it's an unhealthy addiction it's something that happens to all, almost all indie authors at a certain point they notice that they check uh the dashboard for every five minutes there's even a, a program calls book report that you can tell it to uh like chime whenever someone buys a book so it's like <laughs> that would not be good no it's not case. good at all <laughs> no it's it's even worse in a case where you sell five copies a day because then you're like where where are my chimes and you make sure the program is on and you check it every five minutes and then you're down because then it's... you buy one of your bo- own books to make sure that it chimes <laughs> that the chime works <laughs> so yeah um but yeah i limit myself to once a day so what's the dream now that's a tricky question i'm basically living the dream um i'm actually uh, living my dream right now um, and I'm working on figuring out my next um, milestone what the I killer's really mind want. the movie so Netflix yeah series. that that was one of my that's definitely something I want to do um, I have people uh, interested like I've received the emails from studios interested in uh, knowing like they want to know if the rights are available um i don't know if that's my dream it's something i want to do it's not like my number one dream right now mm-hmm. yeah i think my dream revolves around still just writing and publishing more books now your career is more or less promised from this point yeah. onward as long as i produce books don't jinx the man <laughs> wait i got i got to ask you so cuz you were I mean, from what we spoke, it sounds like you had this style of yours, you know, early on of of writing, you know, you're inspired by Douglas Adams and writing these kind of fantastical novels. Yeah. Uh, And then you you spoke of a woman friend of yours who kind of was also writing. Don McKenna, yeah. Don McKenna, who didn't have a big success with her kind of first literary fiction book. And then she went into this genre. Do you feel... Does part of you feel like you gave up on something and that you kind of you kind of forced yourself to write in a specific genre in order to like I don't know make money or or do you feel like you're able to express that that writing itch in that genre Um my, I'm lucky because I read in a lot of different genres so as long as I'm writing uh books that I like to read I'm good and I read mystery books, like I really like them. Um, I do uh, have my uh, my sort of small twist on my mystery books. I want them to have humor in them. So 
So it's like there's these touches of humor um, more in Glenmore Park. There's a lot of absurdity going there, less in a killer's mind, but I always maintain a bit of humor. And and that way I'm I'm fine. I don't feel like I've sold out and I'm just writing to get my paycheck. I'm actually writing the books I want to read. So I'm good. That's awesome. Well, so any tips for aspiring um, novelists? So if like if you've been following I started writing when I was 16 uh and I had a row of failures <laughs> and I took off when I was 36 which is 20 years um so I'd say that grit is an important uh, yeah uh a lot of persistence authors say that uh you have to get um prepared for rejections but in the authors don't like their rejections is that their book isn't selling so it's more about getting used to failures and figuring out what you need to do differently um and persisting all the time to improve your your writing improving your mark self-marketing improving everything you write changing and adapting to what you see around you not just doing the same thing over and over and persisting and and then there's a good chance that if you're like if you manage to produce good books you'll end up um earning a paycheck but to be more practical if i wrote if i have a good novel in my hands that i yeah. wrote and uh so basically if i understand you correctly i just learned the hell out of self-advertising about google ads about facebook about amazon ads i put the book on amazon I, I I give it a push with a budget. Yeah. And this is my best chance. This is your shot. Yeah. You you put the book on Amazon on an afford in an affordable uh, res reasonable price. Uh hopefully you give it the best cover you can that uh, meets the expectations of your genre and then you advertise the hell out of it. And the best cover is in like the, the actual cover of the book. Yeah. Something covers that are crucial. Everybody judges the book by the cover, huh? Exactly. So anyone who tells differently is lying. <laughs> um, not only the fact that the cover has to look good, it has to explain what the book is about, what genre it is. Genres have different covers, obviously. So thrillers. You might notice if you look at thriller covers, you might see some surprising um, things that are in common. The book name and author name are are in like this bold font, while mysteries, the book name and the author name are usually in thin font. Um, there's different colors, uh, yeah, colors, color yeah. palettes, etc. It's different between each genre. So it's not enough to have like the best cover ever, like something really lovely. No, the cover has to communicate what this book is about and what this genre is. Otherwise, people won't know to buy it. Hmm. So guys, if it wasn't clear, the book is called A Killer's Mind. It's very well written. It's entertaining. It's worth... There's a the great buck. there's a great audio book out there by Brittany Presley, if I'm not mistaken, on Audible, yeah. which you guys can find. Uh, it's so also check it out. performed really well. So yeah, guys, check it out. Look it up. Killer's Mind. Do you have a website or something like that? I have 
something. <laughs> okay. S- search for it. Um, okay. It's being, I think it's actually being uh, built at the moment. Okay. <laughs> Social media, Twitter, something? Yeah, I'm Mike Omer on Facebook. Okay, cool. Amazing. But search for the book, guys. <laughs> yeah, get the book. A, killer, a Killer's Mind on Amazon. And then there's Spider's Web, Deadly... Uh, Deadly Web Deadly and Web, Web of Fear, yeah. And Web of Fear. Um, thank you so much. Thank Bef- you for having me. Before we go... Uh, we have a collaboration with the Jewish Journal, which is a uh, news source for Jewish news and news in general out in L.A. Check them out, guys, jewishjournal.com. And we accept donations. Uh, any sum would basically do it. So if you uh, would like to help us, we, because we do it on our spare time, please go to our website, 2ngb.com slash donate. And you know the drill. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much Thank again. You. Thank you. Bye guys. Good luck. Bye. Bye.